She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. I don't want to make a shit ton of money just to to like run, like drive around in a red Corvette and throw money out the window and laugh at people on the street. <laughs> that sounds that sounds fun for like I, about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely high school when you're going to make one of the biggest financial decisions of your life. Potentially. It's almost like they don't want us to know. It's almost, yeah. That's weird. Yeah, it's what? like, well, well, if we taught them like, how to think about money, maybe they wouldn't take out these really big loans. <laughs> and we'd go around the neighborhood, I'd knock on doors, and I'd sell uh, car washes for $4. $4 for the entire car wash, except for the roof because we couldn't reach it. Uh, and I think vans were $6, but we, we learned quickly, like, that was not enough, so maybe $8 would be better next time. But the, we made money this way. I had friends. So I, know, I know, I you know. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, Alistair and JR. It's Zach. Love the podcast. God, it's so good. It's so good. You two are so interesting all the time. You couldn't be boring if you tried. Um, I love listening. Yeah, I mean, you guys just rock. You guys rock. So I just finished your episode all about how to manage finances jointly. And I thought it was so cool that you were talking about something that we're literally all thinking about all the time, but we never are, we're never able to talk about that out loud. Um, So I'm feeling really, really grateful for that. And the gratitude I was feeling right then kind of reminded me of uh, a couple years ago when I was feeling pretty bad about my finances uh, and really guilty and just, yeah, ashamed of where I was at. And then I reached out to you, Alistair, for some help. And in only a couple sessions, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, like, finally being able to have a conversation and like examine my finances in a way where I didn't have to feel ashamed and guilty the whole time. So um, I'm super stoked to hear that you are offering your services to people. And yeah, I mean, I just, I know you can help. I know you care a lot about this and I know you're, you are capable enough to help people with this in a way where they can change their relationship with money. And I'm just super happy to hear that you're doing it because I, I know it can help a lot of people. So thank you back then. Thank you now. And thank you for the board idea. Can't wait to give that a shot. I need to introduce it to my partner and see if she's on board. But how could she not be? It's, it's just an airtight solution. Anyway, so I'll keep you posted with how that goes. Thank you so much for everything you're doing on the show. And uh, love hanging out with you guys. And I'll talk to you soon. Well, hello, beautiful people. And welcome to a brand new episode of Far Out Podcast. Hello, hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, man, we hope it's a good one. Oh, it's going to be a great one. You're here. This is a great way to start it. That is. Today we're talking about money. It's a topic that we love to talk about. We think 
it's not talked about enough, and Alistair is definitely obsessed with it. And as a gift for this new year, we're giving you five money mantras to think about and uh, work on in the beginning of the year if you're looking to change your relationship to your finances. They're all from Alistair, your uh, Mindful Money Manager program. And it's a financial coaching program to help you change your relationship to money and build wealth and get out of debt. Yep, and those are the mantras you work with clients on, and we thought they would be a very powerful gift to give to our listener in the new year. Today, we explore the first two, and next week, we'll be exploring the other three. And that's it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Alistair. Good morning, everyone. Hi. Hello, hello. It's nice to see you here. Yes, as always, we're excited to have you. Get comfy. Let's, uh, what What are we talking about? Well, <laughs> it's the first episode of the new year. Oh my God, yes. Happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs> You're looking good this year. <laughs> did you Did you change something? Did you lose weight in December? I don't, a couple I don't... of you are looking a little hungover. <laughs> besides that, ready for the new year. Uh, well, we thought we'd talk about, because a lot of times, this is, so I think about money a lot. All the time, actually, yeah. pretty much. Jay yeah. Roxanne can attest to this. I'm, uh, I'm vouching for Sometimes that. Sometimes it's bad. <laughs> 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 but usually in January is a time a lot of us are thinking about money. We're balancing the budgets, tax season's around the corner, but we're, you know, it's the end of one year, beginning of a new year. Maybe we want to do differently this year. Mm -hmm. Maybe we want to invest in some things, spend less, whatever, save more. So we thought it'd be a good opportunity to talk about a, bu a bunch of financial money, personal finance ideas that I've been brewing on for at, over a decade. You've been brewing on them since you were six, Alistair. Yes. Just let's, let's be completely honest. Yes. You just have that mind of like thinking about money. And it's like, if you guys, if you guys have seen the movie A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe, where he's kind of like not all there in the head, but there's that music that goes on whenever he writes things on the windows. That's what it is to live with Alistair. Like sometimes <laughs> I'm just like, what is going on up there? Like, <laughs> You don't seem to be all here, and yet, I don't know, it's I, strange. I, I get possessed by ideas, <laughs> and one of these ideas is money. And I teach a program around this now. Yes. Uh, last year, um, a friend of mine, I, I've had this happen a couple times, actually, where friends have asked me to help them with their finances. Because in my past, I've been, been able to make a fair amount of money. Um, I've managed other people's money as well. And I've also been able to save a lot of money, which is more important than making it. Mm-hmm. More important, you need to actually save it. Okay. And <laughs> I like, I like this. You should like say again the things that are really key. That's yeah. really interesting yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah. More important than actually. And this has allowed this life of mine that is blossoming. It's yeah. allowed me to meet you and a lot of things. And a couple of people have recognized that that are close to me, and they've asked me for help. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with them. And it's been helpful for them. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to give a tip of the cap to Kelly and a big thank you because she was the one that approached me last year and said, hey, I'd like to work with you on this. We worked together and it was the the seed, the beginning, the birth of this, what I call 
the my mindful money manager program. Mm -hmm. It's a financial empowerment program. It's a unorthodox way to manage your personal finances. And so far, everyone that I've worked with on this program has it's helped a lot. Yeah, I don't know if those ideas are anywhere else. I mean, I haven't done a, a, a they're out overview, there. But like your approach is very special and I have a degree in finance, yeah. which means nothing for personal finance because they don't teach you about that there. Yeah. But sometimes people, oh, degree in finance, maybe you know something about money. It means I, I, <laughs> not a lot. And I've always been good with numbers and I've always thought a lot about freedom. And to me, money is about freedom. And a lot of times this is one of the first things like we explore with, with clients. And so I've actually just done some follow-ups with, with people who went through this program early on. Mm -hmm. And we've heard things like they've tripled their savings. Yeah. Another one uh, told me that she and her husband put knocked off $14,000 on their debt and added $3,000 to their savings. That's when I When I met them and started working with them, this is about seven months later after we, we did our work together, they were going in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting more confident and passionate about this program because I'm now starting to see I've always believed in it and it's worked for me. And you um, put a lot of work into outlining it for, you know, for other people to find it. Like yes. your, your page on your website is amazing. It's very cross-disciplinary too. It takes a lot of things from my practice medita with meditation, like a lot of my adventures in philosophy. A lot of these things, I try to bring a lot of this in mm -hmm. to do, to have something that actually changes behavior and actually helps us. Because at the end, this is a lifestyle program. Mm -hmm. This is about changing your lifestyle. No, Most people don't want to hear that, which is why they don't work on their money, because it's really about changing your lifestyle. Yeah. And that's hard. Uh, but this is this is why I, I teach something around it. And I think I there, there's an approach that works fairly well for actually making those lifestyle changes. So mm -hmm. this is not about what fund to put it in to earn 1% more money or something like this. It has nothing to do about where to invest your money. It's all about how you have the relationship mm -hmm. that you have with your money. And if you don't deal with that, you're never, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. You've got to go there first. Yeah. Yeah. And you, like, you basically work with uh, people for five sessions. And for each session, you have a mantra that is like the, the guide and the intention for that session and for the teachings that you give and hand off during that session. And as a way to start off the new year, we really wanted to share those mantras and elaborate on them because a lot of those ideas, as I said, Alistair is just this weird person. And it's really <laughs> interesting to hear him talk about this. So I, I've always thought that these ideas were normal. You know, that like this was kind of common sense. Mm -hmm. And then I started working with people and they responded like, wow, this is really different than anything I've ever heard. Yeah. And, and in my mind, I'm like, no, it's not. But I, I didn't realize, I never had a contrast between the, I don't know, average, but I don't even think the people approaching me are average. I think they're much above average. And usually they are more financially savvy than the normal person mm -hmm. just because they're they're aware yeah. and they're, they're, they're doing something about it. But I'm just realizing that they're doing something about it. But I'm just realizing the contrast between where I am and where, how I think about it and where other people are. And it's made me realize that this can this can have a, a, a big impact. So we wanted to give five money mantras for the new year. And We're going to start with two today. Yeah, Julie Roxanne's limiting me to two. He and wanted to talk about all five. And I was like, Alistair, we cannot publish a five-hour episode. <laughs> that even, just cannot be done. Even just doing two, <laughs> I, I feel extremely limited. And I don't think I'm going to get to talk about everything I want to say. 
But let's start there. So we're going to do probably two episodes on this to give kind of the five money mantras. And I guarantee you, if you start living from these mantras in the new year, your money situation Mm. is going to be healthier. It's going to be brighter. You're going to be less stressed. And if you want help with that, and really, I I teach a very, very practical program. It's an all-inclusive system for doing this. And it only takes a few hours a month. The idea is to keep it dead simple, but extremely effective. It's the 20% that gets you 80% of the results. I teach this in a coaching program. You can go on my website. I can't think about what the, the link is right now. So we'll have to. That was <laughs> I think it's like Alistair Planbeck slash Money Mindful. But if you go program. on my website, yeah. uh, alistairplanbeck.com, and then you go to services, Money Mindful, Mindful Money Manager Program, you can see a lot more information about this. Um, and I also offer a free call for anyone who wants to talk about their situation and see if this actually works for them mm-hmm. or will work for them. All right. Without further ado, let's get into the first one, which is the most important one. You are meant for something greater. You are preparing for something later. You are meant for something greater. You are preparing for something later. I love that he's repeating it. <laughs> That's so cool. So when oh. I start working with people... We start, and I think this is the most important of the five sessions. Uh, it's about stories. Mm. It's about it's about figuring out where you come from, where you're at, and where you're going. And surprisingly, not everyone knows these things, right? And that's okay. As I've said to people before, it's not a quiz. We're trying to explore these things. Mm. And it's very interesting because our money habits are not like... We didn't develop them ourselves totally. They're they're learned. Yeah, but it's such a taboo thing too. Like I just want to say here, the reasons why most of us are not even aware of our money tendencies, of our money mindsets, of the way we relate to money is because it is such a taboo thing. And usually it's really hard to uh, recognize, okay, how is it that I actually function around money? And it's almost always linked to our parents. Yeah, I was going to say, and who did I learn it from? Uh, <laughs> and, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some of us have had better educations around money from our parents, but we've all inherited both sides, the positive and the negative, because mm-hmm. so much that shows up in the way we deal with money is around also what we're scared of mm-hmm. and the limiting beliefs we have. and. Let me back up for a moment because the first session tends to be a therapy session. Mm. There's a lot of work to do because, of course, like most of us love our parents, right? Yeah. (laughs) And and we hold them up very high, but we also have to recognize some ways that they did us a disservice. Mm. And for some of us, it's very obvious. Mm. And others, it's it's a little less obvious. But it's an important place to start because we've inherited these stories, but they're also the voices that show up in our head often. And it's not always our parents. It can come from a lot of other places. It might be like, there might be traumatic experiences or maybe like you were, there's a lot of places, but we have to start like bringing our attention to these stories and just see what's showing up and realize that these are beliefs, these are stories, these are personas, but they're not, they're not always reality and helping us just see them means that we we give them a seat at the table. And sure, a lot of these voices were probably helpful at some point. They're probably there for a good reason. So we give them a seat at the table, but we don't give them a say in the conversation. Yeah, and I think it's this is a good place to uh, remind everyone of Brene Brown's 
thinking around this, which is like the only way that our stories don't control us is if we own them. So like this is it seems what you do during this first session and and this mantra of of you're meant for something greater. You've got to start where you're at. Yeah. And and everyone comes so far, my experience has been that everyone who shows up is coming from a place of no. I don't want this anymore. Mm. This, by the time they've gotten to me, it's usually pretty bad mm. because otherwise you wouldn't have the motivation to do it. Most people, maybe a few people would come uh, that, that are just thinking about the future, but a lot of people are coming because their past is, is affecting their present. Mm. And so, and, and, and they're not in a great place, whether it be financially or, but the thing is the cost of poor money management is like, it's not in the numbers. That is such a small part of it. It's the energy, it's it's the emotions, it's mm. the constant fear or anxiety or the worrying or just the feeling that you're out of control or that you don't, you can't invest in yourself, that you can't take that program that you feel like you should mm. because you don't have the money or you don't know if you have the money. It's it's the, the debtor reminding you every month that mm. you owe them money and that you have to put them first. It's like the, it's the, it's the guilt or the regret or the pain of perhaps poor decisions in the past that you were never taught to, to do better with mm. that aren't really totally your fault. I think one that's one that happens so often is around education. We have to make one of the biggest financial decisions of our life and perhaps the one that's going to have the biggest impact on our life, regardless of the number, because of just when it happens at a time when our brains are not fully developed, when we know very little about money, most of us, unless, unless you know, maybe you've been working, but we just don't have an idea. We don't understand debt. We don't really understand the consequences of debt. And here we are at 17, get, like we're, we're dangled with these colleges and these programs and these promises. And then it's like, oh, don't worry about it. Just take out loans. You pay it later. You're going to make plenty of money. It's a really sharky Mm. system. Mm. And it's not set up in our best interest, unfortunately. I actually just heard this yesterday. It's described as a, a wealth transfer to the baby boomers. And and if you think about the way that the colleges are growing, there's more and more administrators. There's a lot more. And, and um, he made the point that there's not a single president of a college, and this has not been the case in the past, that isn't of the baby boomers or older. Mm. In the past, you could find younger presidents and they had an impact. Um, so he made this claim that it's this giant wealth transfer wow. to the older generations. Maybe, maybe not, but I will say it's very sharky and it's really irresponsible to be putting such a decision on people that are not prepared to make it that has such a massive impact on their lives. And you can't bankrupt yourself out of it. It's yeah. the one debt you can't get out of it. It's a perfect trap. That's insane. And it's it's crazy. Mm. It's absolutely crazy. And it harbors, I think, a lot of resentment and anger and guilt and, and all these feelings later when you feel like, what the hell? Mm. Why am I why am I drowning? So I think we have to go into this stuff first. And so people come to me with this with this no. And one of the first things we have to do is get to a yes, because a no is extremely motivating. It's usually very painful and it's very present. But when you get a little bit further away from that no, you need to know what your holy yes is. You need to know why you're actually doing this, because that is going to be what's motivating in the long term. It's going to be what helps you when things are really hard, you've got to have some sort of vision for where you're going. And that's something we I also find is, is, is that a lot of times 
when we're just running away from no, we're consumed by it. We can't see Mm. further into the future. And sometimes we're in so much debt, it it feels really hard to look past tomorrow because we're living hand to mouth almost in a way or Mm. paycheck to paycheck. And, but we can't hit a target that we can't see. And it's important to start dreaming and imagining the future that's really pushing us. And I think that the reason I'm so passionate about this has nothing to do with money. Money on its own is really, really boring. It's not very interesting. Mm. The question I think underlying money and, and the way I think about money and this program is the question of how are we going to create more freedom in our lives? And that question on its own is not very interesting either. Yeah. But it gets to another question. But often if we do not create the freedom in our lives, we never get to this next question because we can't imagine or it doesn't seem possible. Mm -hmm. This was true for me, definitely. The next question is, what are you going to do with it? That's a really exciting question. It's also terrifying. Yeah, what are you going to do with freedom? What are you going to do with that freedom? Mm. What are you going to do? That's a responsibility, right? We've talked about this before, Viktor Frankl. In the last episode, we mentioned how Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, he says on the West Coast, to kind of complement the uh, Statue of Liberty, we need a Statue of Responsibility. And I I think that's true. If you really ask that question, what am I going to do with this freedom? It's recognizing your responsibility that you have it and not everyone else has it. And I had this experience in my 20s. I was working really hard, but I didn't really have a vision for my life. I didn't know where I was going. And that's where this mantra really helped because it's a great bucket. And it's a belief that I really felt. It's like, you know what? This is not where I'm going to end up. Mm. This is a means to something else. This is not my passion. I'm learning a lot here. This makes a lot of sense. I'm getting paid well. So I'm meant for something more than this. Mm. And at some point, and, and so I started saving. And I first off, I had to pay off some debt. And then I started saving and saving and saving. And at Oh, I got good enough at this where I was saving over 40% of my income. And I was making a lot for, for a young 20, 20-something-year-old. 20 I was making more than most people I knew. And I was putting almost all of it away. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with it. And it's, sometimes that's really hard to put money away. We're like, why? <laughs> I, I think if we don't I have could a, be spending it right now. Yeah, I could go, you know, and a lot of people were. And if you don't have a vision for why you're doing it, you probably will. Because what's the point, yeah. you know? Uh, it's not very motivating. This is why we need a why. And, and, but I just had this feeling. I was like, I don't know what it's going to be, but there's going to be a point in my life. I'm going to realize something or an opportunity is going to come and I want to be ready to go. Mm. When that comes, I want to have the freedom to take it. I have no idea what it's going to be. I'm, it was preparing for success. I don't know how it's going to show up, but when it's there, I want to go. And so that, that seems to be the biggest work that you have to do during your first, your first session, or I mean that your clients have to do, right? Where they actually have to not only uh, think about what they would want to do, or like the, the most difficult thing is almost allowing yourself to dream yes. that you're going to go somewhere greater, more important, that you're gearing up for success. And like, we're not taught to do that. We're taught to play small. We're taught to think that this is what life is. It's that job. It's the paying off the debt. It's the mortgage. It's the, and like that, that grind, right? De- depending where you come from, that might have been what life has been all the way. It might be your parents' experience. Yeah. It might've been your experience. Then you maybe, maybe you took out some loans for college and you've never known a life without debt or without very like feeling like there's not enough. Yeah. 
and yeah, it's scary. I think it's scary to imagine what would you really do because that's risky, right? And it's easy. There is a, a way where it's easier to hide under the under the financial burden of it, mm. but it's heavy and it's hard if you're in it. There's a darkness to it. It's hard to like even feel like you can look forward if that's not if that's not irresponsible or just completely idealistic. And I think that's something else that happened for me with in, in my story was there was a point where I was saving all this money, saving all this money, or I'm meant for something more than this, like this. But there's a point when that time comes and you have to be more active than that. And I remember looking at my bank account and the numbers were getting higher and higher and bigger and bigger. There were more decimals, whatever. And at some point, I just had the realization, it's like, what am I doing this for? What, like, the, the name of the game is not numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that that's an intermediary step. But just growing numbers in a bank account for some mythical day when, like, I'm going to be safe and secure and don't have to work is, is meaningless. This is about what I can do with it. Mm. And there's a trap that you can get into, right, where, like, you're just, because numbers are so tangible, that you're just measuring those and you're just paying attention to those, but they're really meaningless unless you're going to do something with it. And that was when I I realized it's like I'm trading the best hours of my life and, and there's nothing wrong with doing this if you believe in what you're doing it for, if it's if it's your purpose or if you're preparing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or if you're, there's a lot of reasons why we might do this. But in my case, I realized I was hiding and I realized that I was trading the best hours Best hours of my life, best years of my life for something so arbitrary and abstract and so on its own meaningless. Mm. And I I had to realize that uh, I had the money to do, to do whatever I needed, wanted to do. It was that I wasn't imagining it, that I was scared and that I was hiding. And so in a way, becoming financially prepared forced me to deal with what was really holding me back, which was myself. And I think that's kind of a common experience is that like we say like money's kind of the enemy, but it's really something deeper than that, mm-hmm. something more personal than that. And we use money as a bogeyman and we, and we don't get our money things sorted out because that would force us to sort out scarier things. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this is this is a really important mantra to like repeat to ourselves all the time, especially if. If uh, you're in a position where you don't believe a word of it, because I think a lot of people, as I said, don't think that they're meant for something greater or they don't imagine that something more can come along, you know, and I think like that's why this first session seems to be so important. It's because otherwise, why would you work up? all the effort to save that money? Why would you pay off your debt faster? Why, you know, like, if you don't have your why, then why do it? You know, when I used to, I used to practice Zen at a Zendo in San Diego. And um, there's this thing called Dyson, which is like you you speak with your teachers usually for 15 minutes or something. And it's a compliment to practice and you work on your practice with your teachers personally. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the things our teachers, uh, Elizabeth in this case, required is you get into the room and the first thing they want to know is why are you practicing you have to have a why and and so like you have to repeat out loud your purpose for practice in a sentence or two mm-hmm. it's extraordinarily important because practice is also extremely difficult uh meditation practice and a lot of things come up and 
I think there's something really key to that. Is like if you don't know why you're going to do this, when it gets hard, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Ultimately, what we're talking about here is is spiritual. This is spiritual work, and this shows up uh, in in my sessions with, with clients when I work on this stuff. There's a lot of shadowy stuff that that we have to kind of face, and th- that's a part of the spiritual journey is facing these uncomfortable, kind of dark, scary parts. Mm-hmm. And money is so shadowy for Americans, particularly. It, we we. we <laughs> We have such a strange relationship with money. Like outward, we project it. Inward, we don't feel like we we have any self-worth. Yeah. And there's all sorts of, like, we really don't are able to have a conversation about it. How Just think about how taboo it is to ask how much someone makes. Mm. Now think about how taboo it is to ask how much someone has. That's an unthinkable question. But then, strangely enough... You get to the upper echelons and it's celebrated in a Forbes list who has the most, Mm. right? Like, it's a really strange relationship. But you could never go to someone, like, I'd never think of doing this. Go to someone you know and say, hey, how much do you have right now? What's your net worth? You know, it's funny because my... I say this often when we raise the topic of, of money, because we end up usually talking about debt, because you're pretty passionate about this. And I always have to bring my perspective as a European and just feel like debt is really out of control in the U.S. Like, it's just some people will take out loans to, you know, like um, like for everyday expenses and stuff. But for instance, like credit card is not a thing. So you can't have like a bunch of money that you owe a credit card company because that's just that doesn't exist. And so it's just from my perspective, it's always really, really strange that it's that normal to be in to be so in debt. And I think one question that I think would be even in unthinkable proof is you didn't even ask, but I was like, how in debt are you? Yeah. Like I would, I, I would like to know that sometimes because I'm sure that it's, it's insane, even though people look like they're doing really well. And the first thing we do is hide it from other people. Yeah. And then we hide it from ourselves yeah. and it catches up. It possesses us. Yeah. And, and like that, that's a, that's going to hurt long-term and that's going to like, that's going to eat away at us. And it's not a fun way to live. Another thing, just a thought experiment that you anyone can do today is maybe you're driving right now so think look around look around at the cars now i don't know the answer to this i'm very curious but i wonder for people that that do this you look around the cars you think everyone owns their car Mm. you just like i know this happens for me i look around it's like okay he owns that corvette he owns that yeah 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 most people probably do not own their cars they're making payments on them maybe they're leasing them Whatever it is, I think it's probably less than 50% of people actually own their car outright. Mm. But we look around and, and it looks like everyone still, owns yeah, their car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all know that's true with houses too. And But what weird position does that p- put you in when we know how prone to comparison human beings are? Right? It encourages spending. It encourages this one-up mentality, the keeping up with the Joneses. And it makes us feel like we're, we're living in a, in a false reality mm. where we think, like in our heads, we think everyone owns this stuff and like we're behind. Yeah, yeah. And it's not healthy and it's not realistic. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're not really taught other ways. We're not taught this. We're never taught this. It blows my mind. It seems like the most important subject, one of the most important. We're talking about personal freedom. We're talking about realizing our own potential. We're talking about part of the spiritual journey. We're talking about energy management. Mm. Energy management. Because what money is, 
is a store of energy. It's like putting grain in the barn. And what we've seen from our own human history is when we started putting grain in the barn, civilization exploded. Mm. It went nuts Mm. because we had a store of energy. All of a sudden, we could do different things. We had, we could realize new potentials. We were more creative. We were more like we were able to do all these things. We didn't have to, to, we could specialize, right? Money, that's what money is. It's grain in the barn. And what we're doing, this is why it's so, it's so spiritual because it's around freedom. It's around, it's around realizing our inner potentials. It's around giving. It, it really is around finding our gifts, creating the space to find our gifts and creating the ability to give them in our unique way. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what you're trying to do. Yeah. That's what we're, we're, we're doing here. That's, that's the big experiment we're on with, with Far Out and with the business we have. It's not, I don't want to make a shit ton of money just to, to like, run, like drive around in a red Corvette and throw money out the window and laugh at people on the street. <laughs> That sounds sounds fun for like about half an hour. (laughs) I want to make money so that I can do these things that I'm passionate about. And most of them are about giving my gift and my strengths. It's it's about exploration and about about this like path. But it's also about giving it back and working with people where I feel like I can help. Yeah, this this is making me think of something. There's a, a woman I, I follow on, online and she is very interested in the topic of money and like attracting money, law of attraction, all these things. Not saying this is what we're talking about, just giving some background on her. And she got a question on like those uh, Q&A Instagram story things. And the person the person was like, why are you so obsessed with like being rich? And I loved her response because she was like, happiness, health, and uh, freedom are like some of my top priorities in life. And I want abundance in all areas of my life. And I recognize that financial independence and financial freedom is one of the keys to those priorities of mine. And I just find it funny that this person uh, thought that like money was separate from from all these other goals, right? Well, I think we're kind of taught like if you look at the classic spiritual path, give up all your stuff, yeah, and, go yeah. and be a monk, you know, that is kind of the message, right? Like they're diametrically opposed, mm. like money and wealth, it's tainted, and the spiritual, yeah. the the spiritual path, right? Yeah. Or like that's that's the way it's positioned, yeah. And and I think we have to kind of break through that and say, is that true? Is that real? That may be one way to approach it. And it, it's probably, it's very beneficial. And I, I've spent time going that way in, yeah. in certain ways. Like I've never given up everything, mm. but I have spent time living very simple life with people that, that don't have much. And there's a lot of richness to that. Mm-hmm. And this gets really confusing because like, I think money can be correlated to those things like health and, and stuff, but it's obviously not, it's not how you get them. Mm-hmm. And actually, it can become the fir- the thing in the way, yeah. whether it be through debt or whether it be through just you're making too much and 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 you're sacrificing the other things for that money mm-hmm. and realize it. And you're putting money on the status of an idol. Yeah. Right. So going back uh, and then we're going to move on to the next mantra, because I think this this is a good place to transition. But I think about working with money as energy work. Think about it as when you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to move the money around. You're trying you're trying to figure out new find new stores of energy. You're trying to work the energy around in a new way that helps you express yourself and connect with others and live a more creative or self-directed life. That's what we're talking about here. And maybe I, I think a way that's helpful to think about it is when you're when you save, 
you're giving money to your future self. So if you don't know what you want to be doing right now, you should be saving. Because when you do figure that out, have faith you will, like work on that. And when you do figure it out, your future self will have the money to go do it. There's something, when we start realizing that that's what we're doing, that we're really playing this kind of like, we're jumping through time, basically. Mm, mm. And we're giving money to a later version of ourselves. I mean, no one really, I, I don't think people think about that much, but that's really what you're doing. It's, And then it becomes pretty powerful. Yeah. The second mantra that we wanted to give you guys is where attention goes, that's what grows. Again, this is a spiritual journey. And I think I'm going to go back to something we mentioned just in passing a second ago, which is I cannot believe that we are not taught how to manage our money, which is equivalent to managing our energy. Mm. And it blows my mind that this is not something that is in our primary education, that isn't in, in junior high or grade school, and definitely high school, when you're going to make one of the biggest financial decisions of your life, potentially. It's almost like they don't want us to know. It's almost, Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, it's like, well, well, if we taught them, like, how to think about money, maybe they wouldn't take out these really big loans. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But there there is, and unfortunately, (laughs) I fall on this side. I think it's predatory, and I think it's crazy. And I think we're selling out our our young generations. We're selling them out. We're putting them in shackles. I I don't see any other way around it. Mm. We're, We're telling them a lie. Yeah. And then we're saying, hey, there's no way out of it. Sorry, you made that choice. You should have thought about it. It was your responsibility. That's what comes later is that there's a shame. It's like, wow, like you think it was your fault. Yeah, especially this is even crazier when you when you know when neuroscience knows now that our brain is not finished until about 25. And we're told a story all the way up to this financial decision. College, college, college. Right. Like, and all these things. And then after you're left holding the bag and it's your fault. Yeah. It's bullshit. Mm. And it's toxic. And there's a lot of people, I think, making a lot of money. It's a business and it's a pretty predatory one. If you didn't realize Alistair is really passionate about this. <laughs> and and I'll and I'll tell you this. I studied finance in college. They don't teach it there either. Yeah. You come out, you know you get when you get a finance degree, you learn how to manage other people's money. Mm-hmm. You don't learn how to manage your own. Yeah. So I had to learn this on my own. I got started. I, I had a pretty good start. My dad used to play stock market with me when I was eight. I started my first business when I was six or seven. Um, <laughs> I, I used to go Why around. am I not surprised? <laughs> I, I raided my parents' garage for cleaning supplies. <laughs> I persuaded my friends who thought did not like doing this. But once in a while, they humored me and they would do it. And we'd go around the neighborhood, I'd knock on doors, and I'd sell uh, car washes for $4. $4 for the entire car wash, except for the roof, because we couldn't reach it. Uh, <laughs> and I think vans were $6, but we, we learned quickly, like, that was not enough, so maybe $8 would be better next time. But the, we made money this way. I can't believe you had friends. So I, know, you- I know, you know, but, but it worked. And, and later on, I got into poker. I, I, I started gambling illegally online when I was in high school. A friend of mine gave me $5 on an account because I can't get it myself. I'm not old enough. Uh, but I got it. And I turned it into a couple thousand dollars. And I, fir- I got my first paychecks that way. Those are my first paychecks in my name. That's awesome. It was for over $1,000. And, <laughs> and it was that was pretty great. <laughs> Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. Or, uh, that, the, um, oh, man, what's the name of that dude? 
um, Rain Man who goes to play poker with Tom Cruise. That's that's great. Anyways. And, anyway, but when I really first, there was always something around freedom. Like I never really wanted to get a job, but I did like finding ways to make money to to kind of protect my own freedom and do what I wanted because money allowed me to get things. And when you're a kid, that that's kind of important. But later on, I really got my education at the first startup that I worked at, mm. not in finance school. I got my first education when I joined a startup, which is so different than academia. And, oh. and it was so different than college for me. Yeah. Um, a completely different world. And I was the first employee for a startup, and the, start, the startup ended up doing pretty well. We ended up uh, doubling the business multiple times. It became a multi-million-dollar international company, and I was managing it. I was the general manager. And what I learned through that experience and through that journey, because when I showed up, I, I didn't know why anyone was going to pay me. Mm. You know, I didn't know what skills I had. But my bosses, Dan and Ian, who uh, some people might know, they're on the, they're, they run a podcast called The Tropical MBA. It's mm. a really big business podcast with a massive community called Dynamite Circle. They're doing um, really cool things over there. Uh, but they invested in me. And over a long time, I had to figure out, like, what? Why? There was a question. It's like, why? Why? I was the biggest line item after inventory for the business. And the business was struggling to, to just stay afloat. Mm. Like, we were all broke. So I, I thought about this a lot. It's like, okay, what are they paying for? And and I realized, and, and I learned this. It's like, okay, as I started working in the business, there's all these problems and all these things, right? We're not making that much money. We don't have a lot of money. So it's not like we can make money by spending money. That mm. was not, it's bootstrapped. We were, we, our resources are energy. Mm. It was our attention. And I noticed as I started putting attention to things, sometimes it took years. Sometimes it could take a week depending on the problem, but the business was growing. Mm. And what they were doing, what they had figured out is that they were paying for other people's attention and they valued it more than that person did. And those, and they, they, they had a pretty good nose for smart people mm. and they were buying their attention. And when these people that were motivated were putting their attention on their business, it was growing. Mm. And it was growing a lot faster than, than, like, they ended up coming out of it millionaires. And kind of the realization I had through this journey, it was our attention. That's what was growing this business. And there, it was magical sometimes. You put your attention on something and, and it's almost like money just starts sprouting out of the ground. <laughs> it, like, that's how it feels sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. what it was. It was our attention. And I think this, this mantra, where attention goes, that's what grows, it's shorthand. There's something missing in there, which is where attention goes, that's where our energy flows. And that's why it grows. Mm. So it's this energy we put into it, right? Yeah. And I think we don't realize how valuable that energy is. I didn't. And of course, I don't think it was a bad deal. I got taught a lot there. Um, so I'm not saying that like, I, I kind of sold myself short. Although at some point I had to ask, okay, why don't I believe in myself as much as Dan and Ian do? Mm. At least this was my situation. This is not every situation, right? Like we, we might work in a company for a lot of reasons and they're all, a lot of them are noble. So I'm not saying that everyone needs to go out on their own. But for me, this was my question, which is like, I was not particularly inspired by the business in the end. I was inspired by some of the people in it, some of the things that I was able to learn and do and all this stuff. But what we were actually doing, I could care less. It, it wasn't particularly inspiring uh, and I knew I wanted, I was meant for something greater mm. and I was preparing for something later. This was just an in, in inherent feeling I had. So I had to confront that question, I, which was, why am I not willing to, to invest in myself mm. the way they are? Like, why am I not willing to bet on myself 
and reap the rewards of directing my own energy and attention. And eventually I ended up doing that. I ended up moving on from that company and um, starting a really messy process of learning how to do that because it's actually really hard. And we talk a little bit about it in our last episode around structuring our days and and, and kind of battling the chaos. That's a small sliver of yeah. uh, what you can expect to enjoy if, if you want to go on that path. <laughs> but, uh, but it was really a battle myself. It was really like I needed to start investing in myself. And so I moved to another business. Actually, I kind of... I kind of jumped from the frying pan into into uh, another frying pan. I, <laughs> I didn't do it all in one swoop, but I did start investing in myself, in my health. Because uh, if you're going to go on this path, you recognize the importance of energy, and then you have to start cultivating it for yourself. Because if you don't have good energy, it's going to be hard to do anything. It becomes a game of energy management. And at least in my perspective of what I was doing, it was about investing my energy. And so first I needed to, I first started taking my money that I had saved and and investing it in regaining my energy. Because at this point I was chronically depressed at times. I was anxious and I was was facing chronic fatigue as well. Mm. And I had to go through a health journey. And I started spending a lot, investing a lot of money in doctors that were not on my insurance, in, in, in different like health programs and things like this. And I really started investing in myself. And this goes back to like the money, health, happiness thing that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's like, okay, no, um, like you could make the argument, and I think it would be partly valid, is that I lost some of my health um, going after money. Yeah. Um, so it is, it is like, it's complicated. But at this point, I was able to go on a healing journey that ultimately has brought me to where I am now. And I, I mean, it's like night and day. I feel so much better than I used to feel. And that was because I had the money to do it. It was also because I had the time to do it. And I gave myself both. Okay, so hold up. Why is that mantra the mantra for the second session then? Okay, so so these are like kind of some of the, the stories behind this mantra. Mm-hmm. But like we do this in a practical way. This program is extraordinarily practical. And it's really about implementing a system um, that that that's going to save you time, energy, and money, mm. and help you invest in yourself. And the mantra is linked to one of the first things we do, first parts of the system we implement, which is that most people that show up when I work with people do not have a comprehensive view of their finances. Mm. They have like some of it here, some of it over there. It's all in different places. They don't even see it in one place. And the first thing we need to do is bring it all in one place so we can see it and bring our attention to it. And because if you force yourself to look at your financial situation with some consistency too, not just once, that's not going to be a, it's not a magic bullet. But if you're continually bringing attention to it, I think one of two things are going to happen. Either you're, it's going to improve. Your financial situation is going to improve because you're facing it. And uh, it's, it's hard when you know what you're doing is making it worse. Mm. And when you connect, and when we've connected that, which we've usually done by the second session, to your financial situation, how it's affecting your life mm. and why you're here and the nose you have and why you're, what you're trying to get away from and how this is all interconnected and uh, pretty holistic, right? Like our financial health is part of our health. Yeah. So that's why we start there. But once you're starting to see that, if you see that you're making your situation worse, you're going to change your behavior. Yeah, you're yeah. either going to change your behavior or you're going to stop looking. Those are the two things that are going to happen. 
And yeah, I think I think a lot of us stop looking. This is why we need to have a powerful why. Because yeah. this is painful. Yeah. You're going to have to face some stuff. You're probably going to have to face poor decisions in the past that you didn't really want to think about again. And a lot of us are really good at that. You know, a credit card is designed for that. You go, you spend, and then you just pay it off. You can have it automatically pay off, or you can just start accumulating a lot of debt, and you never look at what you paid for, and you never face that re- that buyer's remorse. Yeah. That's problematic, but it's designed that way. It's designed that way for good reason. Yeah. Uh, because credit cards are businesses and they make lucrative amounts of money by putting yeah. people in holes. It's in- a great way to not think back to like pair, that pair of shoes that has been sitting on your shelf that you never wore in three years. This is an attention game. It's an attention game. <laughs> yeah. And credit cards are a great way to not put attention on it. Mm. So what we want to do is bring it all in one place and start bringing attention to it. And we want to deal with the shit that comes up as that happens, which is also why a coaching... Uh, environment is 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 I think powerful for this kind of work yeah. because this can feel inherently dangerous or threatening or dark, and you need a safe place to explore that and yeah. to start rewriting your story because that's part of the story work too. Is it's like okay, these are the stories. Let's write new ones. Mm. Let's write ones that are more serving, more empowering. Uh, someone recently told me it's like oh yeah because you know. Uh, we have power. We 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 make the stories, mm. right? Like we have, and I was like, yes, that's true. But the stories also make us. Mm. It goes both ways. So another thing that happens when we bring our our finances all in one place is that it becomes a number. Whatever it is, it's a number. Until then, it's infinite. Yeah, it's limitless. It's just out there in 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 the ether, and it's just haunting you in different ways, and you have no control over it. But once you put it in one place, it's like when you can put a word to something. There's some control you feel, some power over it, and the same thing happens when we put our finances in one place, and we can see the whole thing. We realize, okay, that's a number, but it's it's that one number is much less than than no number, mm-hmm. right? Like because then like. Then it's just our imagination. Yeah. But now we can see it. It's in one place and it's limited. And what I found without fail is when we do this, when we have the discipline to do this, we feel better. Yeah. We feel better. We A lot of the anxiety goes away just by knowing what the number is and just by knowing that we're looking at it, that we're not letting it haunt us mm. and just kind of creep behind us in the in the dark corners. Yeah. Now it's visible, it's in the light of day and we're doing something about it. And if that's even just like reducing it by a dollar, at least you know you're going in the right direction. Yeah. And and up to that point, most people feel they're not and mm. they're not dealing with it and it's getting worse. And there's a point with money. Money has a magical effect, right? It's compounding. And what that means is that it builds on itself. It grows on its own. You you put money in the in an account, in a savings account. Not a great place to put money if you're trying to have a compounding effect, but it, it earns some interest. Mm. And then next time it'll earn interest on that interest. And, and this is how yeah. money grows. And not a lot of us don't understand this, but it goes the other way too. So if you're in debt, that's why it also grows. It balloons, mm-hmm. right? And there's a point. You, you can dance with debt and that's a dangerous way to live. Because you never know when uh, something's going to show up and you're not going to be prepared for it, right? Like, yeah. uh, But there's a point where it'll get out from under you and you will lose control. And it's like debt only calls more debt. Right? Yeah. Like there's just 
That's and you're always you're always fighting a slippery battle, mm. right? Like you're paying more for like you're not paying ten dollars for those shoes or whatever. You're paying you're paying more, mm. uh, but you're not really paying attention to that. But yeah. it's more expensive than that. So there's this critical point where if you don't get your shit together, you're going to lose control and it's going to bury you. And I think people intuitively know when that's about to happen. And when they really need to turn the ship around. And mm. tell them, they're like, okay, yeah, sometime in the future. And then there's a moment where either it affects their health. Like, because this also manifests as actual physical symptoms. Yeah. Uh, if, or maybe emotional symptoms or whatever. Or they just have that intuition that I'm on the edge mm. and I'm about to fall in. So the second session is all about collecting it all, bringing it in one place, and facing it. Because... Once you have a number, you can do something about it. Yeah. We can start to come up with a strategy. We can start working with it. You, but now you're going to have to do the hard work, which is you're going to have to change your lifestyle. And this is what everyone doesn't want to hear <laughs> when they're trying to fix their finances. It's like, oh, let's just do some, some wizardry with the numbers. You know, like, oh, somehow we'll just different percentage points or like, <laughs> or we'll do a pie chart. Let's do a pie chart. <laughs> Let's do a pie chart, yeah? And we'll put different colors, see what I'm spending. Oh, how interesting. And like somehow this is going to yeah. fix things. No, what's going to fix things is you changing your behavior. And attention is magical in that way. What we give, what we give our attention to, it feels magical the way it grows. Mm -hmm. It's not magical. But it, it, this is the, the power, the power of our attention. This is why it's so important that we gather, our, we gain our attention and we focus it where we want. And this is why so many other people are willing to pay for it. Because your attention, first off, it's finite. Unlike money, it's finite. Money is printed. Money is printed. Mm -hmm. You know, they have that saying, money doesn't grow on trees. Of course it doesn't. That'd be way too slow. Yeah. They need to print it much faster than that. <laughs> so money, it's made up. It is infinite in a way. Yeah. It is abstract. It's just a concept. It's like a currency. It's an energy currency, as, yeah. you, as you say. And it's issued by a bank. And yeah. they don't just find it in the ground mm. uh, anymore. It yeah. used to be based on gold. And then there was there was some limit on it. But no, they just print it. Mm. So what a lot of people find is as soon as they bring their attention to it, without them knowing what's happening, it's not this willpower or this like kind of gritty like, oh, doing like, yes, there there can be some of that. But... It just starts to get better. This is the experience I've had working on businesses. This is the experience I've had work, like when I bring my attention to my own problems in my life. Just bringing my attention to them, they start to get better. And mm. it's hard to say exactly how. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so this is what we do. We bring your attention to your money. And that is the first step to making things better. And it, and, and it bleeds into everything later. Mm. It makes everything a lot easier if you're bringing your attention to it. So that's the, that's the second one. Where attention goes, that's what grows. And the first one, as we talked about, is you're meant for something greater. You're preparing for something later. And this is about working around our stories. This is around figuring our why. This is about making the connections about how our financial situation is affecting us now and how it's limiting us or how it could be supporting us. And that's kind of one of the steps in that. That one is figuring out, okay, how do we how do we get it to a place because money's a tool mm. it's neutral in that way it can it can go both ways how do we get how do we get money to start working for you how do we get money to start supporting your dreams instead of preventing you from reaching them 
yeah, and I think those are really good things to even just think about on your own in this new year. Like this doesn't have to be through a program or like there there is a lot of value in working with someone. And I think there is a lot of value in working no, with you. It's just... But you can do this two, on your own. Find yeah. your why yeah. and start putting your money in one place. All of it. Yeah. Like just, just visually, like just know how much you have, how much you owe and... and um I know there is a lot of resistance to doing that. But these are simple things. They're mm -hmm. super powerful. I think everyone thinks that you have to do all this crazy stuff to like manage your finances or it's so complicated. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It comes down to simple principles. Knowing why you're doing it, knowing where you're trying to go with it and facing your past around it and starting to actually look at your money. These are dead simple, but they're hard. Yeah, it's like simple but difficult. <laughs> yeah. So I think... To end on, on this episode, I want to talk a little bit about systems because what I'm talking about and what I help my clients build is a comprehensive system for their finances. And this is incredibly important because we have all, especially as Americans, I'll, I'll speak mainly from the American point of view here, but we've all been born into a system that's not designed to serve us mm. when it comes to money. We've all been born into a system that sees you as a consumer and needs you to be a consumer. We've all been born into a system that wants to make it easy for you to spend, that wants to make it complicated or confusing for you to save. We're all born into a system that is putting us in debt as a country, as a society. I, there's a statistic out there, not fairly recently, that it, I can't remember if it's 40% or 60%. It's one of those numbers, it doesn't matter which, they're both massively huge. Of people in America, if they were asked to come up with $400 cash, couldn't tomorrow or the next day. That's mind-boggling. That's crazy. And what is the health of a society when this is the underlying reality? Yeah. This is the system we're in. And that system is not in our best interest. So we have to fight it. We have to build our own systems. We have to build a system for managing our money that helps us achieve our goals, that helps us invest in ourselves. It helps us stop being the burden, the beast of burden for other people's goals or dreams mm. and start helping us reach our own. We need to build a system that makes it hard to spend. If you want to build wealth, I recommend building a system that makes it hard to spend and makes when you do spend very conscious, that you're very conscious of it. And we need to flip the script. We need to make it so that our saving is our default mm -hmm. instead of spending be our default. We need to make saving automatic. We need to make it unconscious because saving is not very fun. And we need to make it easy. So the whole, the, the idea when we get into the next episode is about building a system that protects us that has our financial interests at heart, even when we don't, even when we personally go against it, we're going to create a system that makes, we're going to take advantage of, of the fact that we're lazy. Mm. So if you, if you intentionally design the system in a different way, it's going to kind of funnel you a certain way, whether you like it or not, just because we're fairly lazy creatures and we're creatures of habit. Mm. And in that way, it's a system that does not rely on willpower. And that's the way it's different than a lot of what I see as far as like, you know, the financial programs out there. This is not a system about budgeting. Budgets can be helpful, but usually often they don't work because they rely on willpower. This is a system about going to the root cause. 
and changing that in a way that's going to guide us and deliver us to a better financial future. Well, thank you for listening. Woo! <laughs> it's yeah. uh, money's money's a, a loaded topic. It riles him up. He gets all like excited and red. I, yeah. I know because I have topics like that too. So yeah. it's fine. <laughs> so. Uh, if we're going to do another episode on this and talk about some of the other the money mantras that, that we have. Yeah, there's three left. If this resonates with you and, and you're thinking that you want to change your relationship to money in the new year, if this episode resonated with you, I strongly encourage you to make these money mantras part of your life. And if you'd like help with that, I work with people. It's a program. It's called my Mindful Money Manager Program. It's five sessions. Usually we do it over five to eight weeks. And I'll hold a space for you to work and rewrite your money stories and to implement a proven system that will help you get out of debt fast, build real wealth, figure out what you value and where you want to go, and really actually take steps toward realizing your dreams. That's what this program is about. I would love to work with you on it. I really enjoy, this is some of my favorite work to do. I, I enjoy it so much. I have a lot He's of fun with it. such a nerd about it. <laughs> if, you're, if you're curious, you also offer a 30-minute call. A free 30-minute call. Yeah. There's no pressure to actually go through the program, but we can explore a little bit about your financial situation and just talk and yeah. see if it's a good fit. I absolutely do not want to work with anyone where this is, this is not going to work for them. So I'll tell you if that's the case. Mm. So if you're interested, if you're curious, if you'd just like to talk to me about money for 30 minutes, it's free. Uh, and you can schedule a session with me. So just email me uh, or you can go to my website at alistairplanbeck.com and then on the services in the menu, there's Mindful Money Manager Program. There's a ton more information about this program there along with testimonials, along with bullets about what you'll get and what we'll do. So if you like the details, it's also there. And you can also uh, reach us easily on Instagram at The Far Out Couple. Boom. And, <laughs> oh, what do we do right here? One. Please. What, what oh do my we God, do? you're such a loser. <laughs> Oh. You caught me off guard. <laughs> okay, there's three remember. ways to support this podcast. <laughs> and Julie Roxanne doesn't know them, but there are three. And this is why we need to remind everyone every episode. So number one, you can subscribe to this podcast. Yes, Join us. We'd love to have you here every week. Just click the subscribe on your platform where you're listening to us. Yes. Number two, you can... Review it on iTunes. <laughs> yes, you can. I wanna do, yeah. yeah, I know this answer. Okay, review you, it on iTunes. You can write a review Actually, on no, this is a good moment to say, people, it's been a while since we've had a review, and I know a lot of you are, I know we're growing our listenership, and less people. We see are, the numbers, we, we know you're We see listening. the numbers, we know you're here, so if you're still hiding, leave us, us a out. review. Help us out, please. <laughs> we'll share it on a future episode. Oh, yeah, we love giving a shout out. And number three, please, please. share. Share this episode with a friend that would find it helpful, especially yeah. this one. We all need help with our money and our finance. We just weren't taught these things. And I yeah. think it's so important and it can make such a difference. It's one of the most important skills in our life. So we just if you need know to someone, open up that conversation. We That's, just want to open it up yeah. and have a, and let's start talking about money because we don't do it in this country. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. So share it with a friend. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.